0: We are more. hundred <laughs> I hear if you don't speak Africans, no heaven. <laughs> oh man, we'll be speaking in Africa, but only that they must remove the. <laughs> if they can remove that, I will try to learn it fast. <laughs> I want to thank God that I sat next to a most beautiful girl, Esther. She wants to be a teacher. We pray that God will give her her, her, her desire. <laughs> Praise God. And God bless you, my brother and sister engaged. You. We pray that you stick together forever. Amen. We are living in a world of many, many divorces they love each other today tomorrow they have divorced so make sure that that doesn't happen and that word doesn't exist in your vocabulary even in your dictionary it's not there Amen I'm married 48 years and I'm still stuck to one wife Amen (laughs) Hallelujah I still love her, I still kiss her, woo. Hey, she's wonderful. <laughs> Some have stopped kissing their wives long time ago. <laughs> but I still love her. I still open the door for her into the car, into the house. I still honor her. And I don't blow a horn to my wife. There are many husbands who blow a horn. Ping, ping, hurry up, hurry up. Poor husbands. Uh, Now, you ladies, when we go out this morning, please don't go in the car until he opens the door. Amen, ladies? Yeah. (laughs) If he doesn't open, just stand outside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, fix him hard, you know. When you go home, don't go out until he opens it again. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, I I still do the same things, and I've never stopped. Because sometimes we can be talking about love, but uh, we forget these little things in the marriage. Amen. Yeah, we forget these little things in the marriage. So I like talk talking about marriage. Because I was a product of a broken home. And that's why I speak very strongly about marriage. And uh, I also, you know, impressed it into my sons and daughters. That, uh, you know, you learn how to respect your wife. So they had to learn from, from their own sisters. To open the door to their own sisters. And so that's how I trained them Now they are doing Exactly the same thing And uh, I love that And I praise God Amen Father we praise you this morning as we share That you will speak to us You will bless us You use this vessel for your, for your Glory That at the end of this service Lord People will not talk about Stephen But will talk about Jesus Only Jesus Thank you Father in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to preach in a message that often we don't hear messages in church, churches these days. We hear about uh, prosperity gospel quite a lot. We don't hear about the blood of Jesus often. We don't hear about suffering. We don't hear about all these messages. We tend to brush them aside and uh but these days wherever you go is, is about you know I'll preach about your destiny about you know prosperity about all this you have a new car a new job a new what uh, these are the message we hear often on television and uh but this is part of my testimony uh, we, uh that I'll be sharing this morning <clears throat> i'm writing a a second book, which is uh, uh, on the inner healing. People read about out of the black shadows, how I came out of uh, of the black shadows for as a murderer, a gang leader, a freedom fighter in Zimbabwe, and uh, and hated white people with passion. You are very safe today. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> When white people are f- afraid, they become red, red, red. <laughs> yeah, no, please keep your colors. <laughs> yeah, we black people, we become pitch black. <laughs> but you are safe. Praise God. <laughs> um, I'm coming from a broken family. At the age of four, I was dumped by my mother and father. So I lived under a bridge fed from the garbage beans, and and uh, and uh, never had the privilege of going to school. So you are looking at someone who has never been in a classroom, he has never been in school. And so you are wondering, how well, come now he is speaking in English? That's God. If you have never known about God, just listen and look at this man, that there is a God in heaven. If you doubt God, you just look at this example. Amen. That's what God can do, taking nothing to something. And so that's what God did. And now I speak 10 languages, Uh, although I didn't go to school. And uh, you have been with degrees, you haven't written a book. I've written one. And I'm writing the fourth one uh, about my wife. It's a book I'm writing about Rachel. How she has been in my life, and if there is a saint of a woman, is my wife. And I thank God that she's a, a precious gift into my life. The woman who has taught me how to speak English, I'm speaking today. It takes a godly woman to teach a husband. I think I was humble enough to be told, eh? (laughs) Yeah, but it was a struggle. And my wife taught me how to hold a knife and a fork. I didn't know how to hold a knife and a fork. I was used eating with my nice international fork. Uh, (laughs) So I loved using my international fork. And I was chewing my food like a pig. You could hear me six miles away chewing my food. But my wife said, honey, can you shut your mouth? So, <laughs> so I learned to shut my mouth, you know. Now I'm eating like a European, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she taught me a lot of things, ironing. And now that's my hobby. I love ironing. <laughs> That's my hobby, yes. I can iron anything. Most of the messages I preach is when I'm ironing. God speaks to me when I'm ironing. So I love ironings very much. So all these were taught by my wife, quite a lot of things, and I thank God. What uh, what a great woman of God. God. It took me eight years of trusting God, fasting. I was afraid of marriage. Seriously, I was afraid of what uh, my brother announced there that I'm engaged. For me, it was a strange vocabulary. And I was even afraid to talk to a woman. Because I was afraid that uh, I would uh, marry someone. Then later on, the spirit of my dad was on me. And I was so frightened to get married. Just in case the spirit of my father was on me, so what I wanted was to break the cycle of divorces from my generations. It's a curse. It was a curse. From my mother's side, there were divorces, divorces, marriage, divorces, and my father's side, marriage and divorces. So I wanted to start a new generation, a new cycle, a new lineage. Where there was no so in both sides of my family, I'm the first who is married and have the first woman, and 48 years together, still kissing, still loving. Her. Amen. Amen. I praise God. <laughs> so I had to start a new lineage, and so I thank God that uh, the Lord has been good into my life. I'm blessed with five biological children. And adopted uh, 13 children from the streets who were dumped by their parents. And some were one day old, two day old, two years old. These were dumped by their parents. So to give back to God what he had done to my life, I said I would adopt these children. And uh, we lived by faith. We had no salary. Uh, lived by faith. And uh, we, we have seen God's faithfulness. And each time the struggle was to pay school fees, to buy school uniforms. But not one day I ever paid school fees. Each time I went to ask for time of grace to the principal uh, that give me two weeks uh, to find school fees. He said, what type of school fees? I said, for my kids. He said, "Uh, someone came and paid everything. And that's what I saw God. All through to university, never paid one dime, God's faithfulness. And so what a faithful God. And uh, I live in a big mansion. I didn't buy it. It is God. Someone was blessed in the congregation and started crying and he said, come, I want to give you a gift. And I live in this mansion today. From the bridge to the mansion. Now, how can you doubt such a God? How can you doubt him? Man, if your God is dead, try mine. Mine is alive. (laughs) Hallelujah. But we have to come to Malawi, I think. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I was born in Zimbabwe, grew up in Zimbabwe, fought in the uh, free uh, struggle in Zimbabwe, five years in the bush. And uh, the Lord saved me when I was going to blow up a gospel tent meeting, when I was going to plant a bomb uh, in one of the banks where many white people used to go because I hated white people with passion. And I didn't like a a white man at all. And I said, you only greet a white man when you kill him first. When you kill him, then greet him later. Because a talking white man will call you baboon, will call you stupid, and so on. So kill him first, then greet him later. And so that was my life. But that night when we were going to plant a bomb, we saw this big, massive tent from South Africa. And I hated anything from from South Africa because it was a taboo because of apartheid. They were oppressing the black people and so on. And then as we were going, seeing this big tent, I said, guys, before we get to the bank, let's go and kill everyone in that tent. We had all our AK-47 and our hand grenades and as we go, got near the tent, and my friend said, what time should we start uh, spraying the bullets? I said, seven o'clock. And my friend said, all right, seven o'clock, okay. Then let's go inside because we still have got five minutes. For two minutes only, we go inside and look at the people uh, who, who are about to kill. If you see your mother, she must die. If you see your sister inside, she must die. Everyone must die. So we go to the tent and we decided to go inside for two minutes only, and that was a good mistake to give God two minutes. And uh, so we went inside, sat right at the back, and they were singing choruses, and we were singing out of tune to deceive the meeting. And one preacher came and touched my shoulder. I said, please, boys, keep quiet. And I pulled out my knife. I said, preacher, if you ever touch me again, I will kill you. So the preacher walked away. A lady jumped to this preacher said, please walk away from these boys. They are very dangerous. So I started tossing my knife up and down. Then they invited a pretty girl from Soweto. And uh, this girl was so gorgeous. And she put me off balance. And I said, how can a pretty girl become a Christian? I used to think Christianity was for the old, old grannies who were about to die. Because they were useless, so they needed to be Christians. Or ugly girls with wrong figures. Boys didn't propose them. So the only salvation for them was to become Christians. And so I said, well... How come this girl is so pretty, she's talking about Jesus? But the amazing thing that happened that night was she started shining with the glory of God. Around her there was that glow and affecting my eyes like someone was using a torch. And I said to my friend, you see that girl shining? said, no, she's not shining. Uh, and I said to my friend on my left, "See that girl shining." He said, "No, she's not shining." And I got so angry. I said, what type of eyes do you have, you guys? Can't you see? And what I saw, they didn't see. Then she invites another black evangelist who stood up and read uh, two verses. Was pro- from Pretoria. And then this man, as he read two verses, Romans six, verse twenty-three, and two Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, he became poor. That through his poverty, you may be rich in Christ. And he started crying. And I said, now, I've never seen a preacher, after reading the Bible, he cries. Why is he crying? And like, as it were answering my questions in my mind, he just said, as he was struggling to say these first words in tears, he said, I'm crying because the Spirit of God is telling my spirit that many people seated here tonight are going to die. I said, uh-oh, oh, who told him what we're about to do? <laughs> uh, and then I said, guys, get ready with your guns. So I took one of my revolvers, tucked him in front. We started making our bombs ready. And then he starts preaching about ghost transaction. As he preached about love that night demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. One thing as he went on preaching was that he went to heaven but is coming again. But when he comes, he will be the God of judgment. That's the part of the message I didn't like. Because as he spoke about the judgment of God, he would use his finger all the time. And I didn't like that finger. Because it's like he was pointing at me. And he would point this direction, but like the finger was bending towards me. And every time he pointed like it was directed at me. So I pulled out my knife to kill my friend. I said, I'll kill you. Why did you tell the preacher about my sins? And he took out his knife and said, I'll also kill you. You told him about mine too. So we faced each other with our knives. And, but it was that finger that made me Restless. And then I said this preacher has no manners at all Why does he use his finger? So the next thing he would do like that I would duck down behind someone And when the finger came So I was going up and down, up and down And so the next thing I realized you can never hide from the finger of God And I broke down in tears I was crying like a little child from the back The whole congregation looked backwards And they saw this young man with afro hair full of lice, I was stinking, I was smelling horrible. For months, I had never had a bath. And everyone was just holding their nose as I walked forward to kneel at the feet of that preacher. My friends thought I was going to kill the preacher. And as I knelt at his feet and held his legs, and his trousers were soaked wet, With my tears that night. And and then a rival gang came. And threw the bombs into the tent. Blew up that tent. Many dead bodies around. Three of my gang members perished that night. We all had the same message. My friends went to eternity without God. And I went forward. If I had not walked forward. I could have died that night. And I always say, God saved me twice in one night. And when I came forward, that was my salvation. And after people fled away, dead bodies all over. I mean, bodies, you know, torn into thousands of pieces of bodies. And every car was set ablaze outside. And then after 40 minutes, the preacher came to speak to me. And I was the only boy. Who remained behind that night. Out of 3,000, only one boy. Later on, the preachers told me that we despised you. We ridiculed you. We we were just saying such a pathetic boy. They expected thousands of people to come forward. But they were so disappointed to see one pathetic, smelling, stinking boy coming forward. And they had to use their handkerchief, the preacher had to use the handkerchief as he led me to Jesus. And even in my mind, I said, even the preacher can smell my body. And he said, why have you remained behind? I said, can you, Jesus, save a sinner like me? He said, yes, God loves you. The moment he says, God loves you, I pulled out my gun, pointed on his forehead, shaking with anger. I said, preacher. I'll kill you right now. Never tell me about God. I want you a Jesus who we've been preaching about tonight. For me, I thought God was different. Jesus was different. And then he started explaining to me about the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as I told him my story, he started crying. I said, now, the preacher is crying. My gun is on his forehead. Why is he crying? He said, young man, let me tell you about me. And he said, a 14-year-old girl in Soweto, a man with a knife, got hold of that girl, forced her in the bush, raped her several times. She was left for dead. And months later, deca- discovered that she was pregnant. And that, that day, she gave birth in a, in, a, um, in a toilet, public toilet. And she took the baby, still with the umbilical cord, forced the baby in the toilet and ran away. And another woman was going to help herself found the baby and rushed to the hospital. That baby survived. And he said, that baby's me. He said, you are thrown away in the streets, but I was thrown away in the toilet. And I saw his life and my life were identical. So he read to me Psalms 27 verse 10 that says, Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. It was this scripture that night. That although I was rejected by my parents, but God was ready to receive me. And I bowed down there in prayer, crying to God. I said, God, I'm tired of killing people. I'm tired of drugs. I'm tired. As I confessed all my sins to God, I felt like something from the top of my head, something being removed inside me, the thing I've never experienced before, it was the joy, the joy I've never experienced before, and the peace, that tranquility inside me, and that made me cry. And the first time in my life, I never used to cry in pain. Any young man who felt pain was a sissy. And I got used to, 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 to live a difficult life, painful life, that even I was stabbed on the back with my, some gangs. I never cried. And that is the type of a person I'd become. But that night when Jesus came into my life, I started crying. Tears just came out. And the peace of God flooded my heart. And that, that day I went to my bridge first time. I said, God, I, you have saved my life. What do I do now? I, I can't steal, I can't kill anymore. What do I do? And the Spirit of God came upon me with such power how I was lying on my belly and I started shouting, God is too much, is too much. It's... And the Spirit of God spoke to me, said, Stephen, I will open your eyes and I will send you to many nations. And I looked around who was talking to me and I went to sleep. And that was the first Best sleep ever. Every night I was sleeping with nightmares. When you kill someone, you have nightmares. But that night, God erased all these things. And I slept like a baby. In the morning, uh, the same place I was from the age of four to when I was 20. The same place. But that day, that following morning, I saw the same trees which were there, I was so surprised. They looked so beautiful, gorgeous. And I said to myself, why couldn't I see this beauty before? Why couldn't I see this beauty? And I went to one tree, which was there, and I hugged one tree. I said, Lord Jesus, if you are only here, I could have hugged you like this. It was so good inside. And I went to the police to surrender myself. After eight hours of interrogation, The police said, if your Jesus has forgiven you, we forgive you too. The Bible says, if the Son of Man shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. This book doesn't tell lies. It is the truth of God. If the Son of Man shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. And I was free. Heaven forgave me, the government forgave me. But also I had to do restitution, going to homes where I had stolen, stabbed someone to ask for forgiveness. And in all these homes, they say, if Jesus has forgiven you, we forgive you too. Man, that piece was so wonderful. So the police officer gave me money to buy myself a Bible, my first Bible ever. And uh, I didn't know how to read it, but I enjoyed flipping the pages only. I said, God, uh, the day I'll read this book, I'll read it and read it and read it. But now I speak ten languages and I read in ten languages. And so God can do miracles in one's life. And so I'm a walking miracle of the grace of God. If in your life you have never seen a miracle, here is one. By the grace. And this miracle is that I can love you. White people with your long nose. Man, (laughs) I love you with passion. (laughs) Eh? I hated you with passion, but now I love you with passion. God is wonderful. All my best friends now are white people. God has a sense of humor. eh? (laughs) He's a wonderful person. And so God says, no, I'm still going to train you. So God started training me by uh, uh, my uh, my one of my sons who is a pilot in England married a, a white British girl. So I've got uh, a daughter in love, not a daughter in law but a daughter in love because in law you bring many laws. <laughs> but a daughter in love. Amen. So I've got a British girl and my youngest daughter is a medical doctor. She married a man from Portugal. So I've got Portugal, I've got British. Now I'm looking for India now. <laughs> <laughs> so all the nation, a, a rainbow family. And I thank God. We, you talk about colours. we have them already. And so we thank God that God has blessed us and uh, still blessed. Now, I want to come to this message. Are you ready? Why I want to read this message is this. After I got born again, love the Lord Jesus. I was preaching from street to street in the, in the, in the buses, in the taxis, everywhere, marketplaces. I was like unstoppable. I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't zip my mouth. And up to now, I'm not a person who zips his mouth about talking about Jesus. I love him too much. I mean, I just love Jesus too much. Because I know where I'm coming from. I know who I am today. So I'm not ashamed of this man called Jesus. I can talk about him everywhere. I go through immigration. I don't zip my mouth. I talked to the immigration officers through my passport about Jesus. And many immigration officers, in tears, broken before God, all over the world, accepting Jesus. And when I fly, the unfortunate person is one who sits next to me. <laughs> By the time we land, you have heard the gospel. And I try to raise my voice a little bit louder for others to... <laughs> to hear the gospel. So even people behind me say, how can I find this Jesus? It's so glorious to lead someone above the clouds to Christ. So I can tell you stories. If I'm stopped by the police, I'm the last person to talk, not the police officer. And if I fill up my car, I talk about Jesus. I, I don't zip my mouth. I'm passionate about Jesus. Because the the one who has been forgiven much Loves much And that's where I'm coming from Now, a white missionary God has a sense of humor Hey, didn't use a black man to take me from the streets A white missionary took me in his home Gave me the first food First bath of my life You should have been there to see my first bath It was I mean, the water was darker than me. Uh, I mean, the lights floating over the water. I mean, there was all lights floating over the water. And he had to buy some chemicals to help my hair and so on. I was really stinking. And he, first time, he bought me a pair of shoes. First time to wear shoes in my life. I was walking like a robot. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my. but God was good. <laughs> and I would smile at my shoes, you know. <laughs> but God, you know, through that missionary and we struggled. But what happened is every night He gave me food, clothes, everything. But every night when He was snoring, I would take a knife to kill Him. Every night. Mind you, I was truly, truly, truly born again. Love the Lord Jesus. But every night, I wanted to kill this white mission. Sometimes I would take a six-inch nail with a hammer, while I was asleep, to pierce it through his ears. But every time as I'm going, I would hear a voice behind me, Stephen, Stephen, and I would turn around, I want to see that voice. And he said, what are you trying to do? Every night, five years, I struggled. Five years. I said, God, how can I go on like this? So I went to Victoria Falls, in the bush where lions were roaring. there. I went fasting for seven days, no water, no food. I said, God, I have come here to die. I would rather these animals kill me because you didn't complete your job. Why? I'm born again, but yet I still want to kill this white missionary. You know, I was truly born again, but I was carrying the junk of my past. Some people are born again, but they still carry some junk of the past. You come and worship the Lord, but you are still carrying the junk of your past. It could be anger. Unforgiveness, that is junk of your past. Sometimes you are abused as a young boy or girl. You're still carrying it inside, the junk of your past. You wish you were dead. Some were raped and say kept quiet. Nobody knew, but you are still carrying the junk of your past. People sometimes use the bad vocabulary to you, you are good for nothing. And it clicked in your mind, you are good for nothing. And you believed it. You are good for nothing. And sometimes you feel like when someone is succeeding, you are not succeeding. There's something wrong with you. Or maybe a stepmother or a stepfather abused you. So you carry this junk of the past. And I was carrying that junk of the past. Some come from first marriage into second marriage. But they take the impact... Of the first marriage To impact the second marriage So you compare Do you understand what I'm saying? Man, you are too serious man. <laughs> Okay, so I went to Victoria I said, God, I've come here to die I'll give you seven days I gave God seven days You <laughs> are stupid, eh? First day, I'm hungry. Second day, third day, fourth day, I'm struggling. Fifth seventh day, I said, God, this is your last day to have me. If you don't, I'm tearing the Bible into pieces. So God started speaking to me there. And so I want to read Hebrews. Can we read Hebrews quickly? Yes. Hebrews chapter 12. This is how God spoke to me that time to bring inner healing into my life. But God had to test me into that inner healing because when he did that at Victoria Falls, I came to Pretoria. When I came to Pretoria to ask at the Rosalind Station, I said, what time does the train go to Rustenberg, and this white man looked at me, and I repeated the question again, and he looks at me, and third time, I thought he didn't hear me, and then he says, Muni, Prat, English, Hirso, Kafre, Bobojan, Luep. I said, oh, oh, something is happening here. So I started smiling. <laughs> <laughs> and that made this white guy angry, more angry. So I said say I'm just asking a trend going to ride. So he goes out from his little office, and I'm outside, you know, and I see him coming like this. I said, ooh, he's coming to hug me. Hallelujah. Ah. But not knowing that he was carrying stones. And he hit me with a stone and stone. And my shirt is full of blood. And train had just stopped. Two, three train drivers who didn't know what was happening. They got out, helping their friend. I'm hit from the back and front. And, and, and I see the fence. I jumped the fence and ran into the bush. And I collapsed. And I was unconscious. white black ladies were looking for fire, would found this bad boy unconscious. And they carried me to at Medusa Hospital somewhere there. And while I was unconscious, God says, Stephen, are you ready now to forgive a white man? You are unconscious. You have been beaten severely. You fall in the pool of blood. And God says, are you ready to forgive a white man? What do you say? And that's where I said, yes, God. That yes, I said to God, yes, God. It was like a big cement was removed from my chest. And from that flooded my heart with a love for the white man. So I love you like anything. Two bits. (laughs) Isn't God amazing? Come here, my brother. Come here, my brother. Isn't he amazing? What a precious gift God created here! Isn't he handsome? He is. <laughs> Hallelujah! Now you know God is a God of miracles, because when He did that, that we may be together. This brother has to be in Christ. Me, I've got to be in Christ. When both of us meet inside, inside Christ. Color doesn't mean anything. Are we together? Color doesn't mean anything. No. So he's, he is my cream brother, and I'm his chocolate brother. Ah Cream and chocolate. Isn't that nice? Eh? But you know, we have got this. Demon of racism, of what? Because when you look too much on the color, you start hating that color. But when you focus on what God has created, you overlook color. Are we together? (laughs) When you overlook, and even the problem with Adam and Eve, they became so naked. Naked. Why? Because they focused on themselves That's why they saw that they were naked But the moment, the time they were looking at flowers And admiring flowers This is a beautiful flower This is a wonderful tree They couldn't see that they were naked Because they were focusing on what God created But when you focus on Someone, I see his long nose, I see, he's an Africana, I see, and I want to fight him. <laughs> you see, because you are focusing on a person. But when you focus on God to him, you don't see him. You see God's wonderful creation in him. Are we together? Are we together? So you don't suffer with racism. Some they said, "Yeah, you know me. I don't suffer with racism. Mom. We are very good. We are eating in our know, lunch." So I asked the father, "If your daughter is married by an African, would you?" Oh, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> I said, "But you are saying you are not a racist." <laughs> but I said, "If your daughter found a black brother to marry her, would you say yes?" "No, no, no, no. The culture is different." <laughs> They talk about couch, but not about God. Are we together? So my, my son, when he called me, I was in New Zealand. He said, dad, I found a girlfriend. I said, praise God. Uh, but dad, I said, but what again? You said, I said, oh, she must be born again. He said, yes, God, dad, she's born again. She loves the Lord very much. But you are saying, but, 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 but what? I said, uh, but she's a white lady. I said, oh, praise God, go and marry her as long as she's born again. And then he says, dad, I now know you are born again. (laughs) I was delivered. Amen. Are we together? Am I confusing you? (laughs) Now, Hebrews chapter... Let's read just two verses. And then I want to close quickly. Because you left some things in the oven. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hebrews chapter 12. Are we together? We can start from verse 4. But I want to read just 10 and 11. Now, they are about... 10 times, 11 times the word discipline, discipline, discipline from verse 4. 11 times. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Now this discipline is not what we use like spanking, bang, no. God's discipline is training, training, teaching you to grow from this level to this level. So God uses Hebrews chapter, t- excuse me, chapter t- uh, 12, verse 10, it reads, verse 10. Are we together, church? Verse 10 reads, which is a well-known verse. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God, but God, Disciplines us for our good So that, this is the reason So that we may share in his holiness What a God He's not a stingy God He's not a stingy God God disciplines you, disciplines my brother So that me, I may share with the holiness of God Amen Amen God is holy, be holy for I am holy. But to be like him, he has to prune certain things in your life. He has to cut certain things in your life. Because he is so holy, you can't be with God with your short temper. Unforgiveness, anger. Oh, well, there are some white people who drive in a buggy. they'll put a dog in front, a, a servant at the back in the rain. And you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a Christian. The way you talk to your servant, it shows who you are. There are some who have rage of temper because a black man has broken a cup. Just a cup. One time my wife bashed a brand new car on the gate. Boom! Oh, the whole headlamp. You know how expensive it is. <laughs> it is so expensive. So I was coming from preaching somewhere, and I came in the sitting room, and I found my wife quiet, you know. I said, honey, are you sick? No. <laughs> I said, what is the problem? <sighs> I said, what's wrong, my dear? She just said... <laughs> I said, what is this now? It says, uh, says, go outside and see the car. <laughs> so I went outside. I saw this headlamp smashed. Cost almost in my line half a million something. So I came inside. I said, honey, what is that? Is it a TV? And what is that? <laughs> a chair. What is that? So she started pointing. I said, all these things, what are they things? I said, even a car is a thing. Don't lose your peace because of things. How many people lo- you lose their peace, joy because of things? Things. A tractor is broken down. Uh, a car is broken down. Uh, you even swear in the name of Jesus. <laughs> forsake, man. And, you know, he's saying to a car, forsake. <laughs> ah, these are things. Things. Even if the best cup is broken, there are things. Never lose your peace, your joy over things. Are we together? These are things. So God was training me, as here God is saying, God disciplines for our good so that we may share in his holiness. Verse 11 now, it says... No discipline seems pleasant at that time. It's not pleasant. It's so painful. Like me, when God wanted to deal with this hatred and anger, what does he do? He makes four white people beat me. It was bad, but God used that. He used that to discipline me to to uproot that anger against the white man. A bad instant, God used it for the good. Amen. That's why I wrote a letter to the nurse, through the nurse, to translate it in Afrikaans. She translated it in Afrikaans. I said, can you go and give, give it to that station master? She went and gave it to him. Seven months later, they sent me from Harare to fly to, to, to Jobbik. It was Jan Smart's airport. And she was, he was holding this paper. I said, I'm Stephen Lung. And I said, this huge African. I said, oh, goodness me. He's going to kill me, this man. (laughs) So he said, I said, I'm Stephen. So we get into the car. I said, what's your name? no, we'll talk when you go home. I said, oh, now I'm saying if we get to the traffic lights, I'll jump for my dear life and run. But now my suitcase is in the boot. (laughs) And my passport is in the boot. So I survived to the house. When we go to the house, you know, we sit in the sofa in Pretoria North. Ah, no, uh, waterproof, yeah. And set this posh chair, and the wife comes, and she talks in Africa to her husband. The husband said, yeah, go. I didn't, what she was asking permission, said, can I hug him? So I was asked to stand. The wife comes to hug me. She kisses me on my side. Oh, 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 God. God, this is now something. It was everything too much for me, you know. So, and the man now leads. She comes with the letter, which I wrote. And she says, you remember this letter? Hey, man, I almost froze. Said, yes, I remember. Said, thank you. You wrote this letter. That following day, we are going to divorce in high court. But through this letter, when we read it, we found Jesus. We found Jesus. I was saying God was in Christ. reconciling the word to himself. Now the wife went in Christ. When he, the husband came, he said, you too must come in Christ. They all prayed, accepted Jesus So they sent for me. So the man left his chair on my, put his head on my, and cried. He said, forgive me. I'd hit you with stones. It's me. And I said, sir, you are forgiven. He said, please don't call me, sir. Call by my name. It was my, my my tongue was difficult to call a white man by the first name. (laughs) But I called him by, and he's become my best friend he's my best best friend i stay in their house when i go there and i don't even tell them i'm coming i know where they keep the keys if they are not there i just go and help myself (laughs) (laughs) amen now when i was leaving he said before you leave uh, we, we bought you one way ticket so before we leave or, so following day I came, they said, here are the keys and was a brand new car. I drove back to Zimbabwe in a brand new Peugeot. So God uses this incident to bring that reconciliation. Do you understand? Number one. Are you writing? God uses the discipline of darkness in your life. The discipline of darkness. Number one. He uses the discipline of darkness in your life. Isaiah 45 verse 3. He says, Isaiah 45 verse 3. I will give you the treasures of what? You got it? The treasures of darkness. God says, I will give you the treasures of what? Of darkness. How can you find the treasures in darkness? This ring, my brothers and sisters... It was once a stone... Right six miles under, under the ground in Johannesburg. They dug it in darkness. Put it in the furnace. And came out shining like this. God, when he says, I'll give you the treasures of darkness... The life you are living now, all the things you are passing through, you are in darkness. Dark, you can't see the way out. But God is using that dark period in your life to bring about treasures in your life. Amen. Amen. He, he wants to bring treasure of joy, peace, long-suffering to come from this level to a higher level. God says, come up here. God is tired with Christians being on the same level or same level, this year, same level, next year, same level. Now, the same level. You don't go upwards. You don't go down on the same level. God says, No. Come up here because you have been on a familiar ground. God wants to take you from unfamiliar ground to, I mean, from the familiar ground to an unfamiliar ground. Familiar ground, you get used with with that place. Even if you are blindfolded, you know the place so well. But unfamiliar, you don't know it. Unfamiliar, you get used with God. It becomes like your body. Your prayer life is just the same level. The way you read your Bible, it doesn't make you to cry. You don't enjoy this book anymore. Because you have been too familiar with God. Too familiar with God. God wants you to leave this level to go to a higher level. Man, if we go, each one of us, on a higher level, we'll move out from this building because everyone will be a witness for Jesus. Everyone will be winning souls to Jesus. We don't have foot and mouth disease anymore. But we have foot and mouth disease because we can't talk about Jesus. We can't go for Jesus. That's foot and mouth. It's for animals. But if it catches Christians, they do nothing salvation army people they write S&S saved from your sin to go and serve others that's why we are saved not saved to sit (laughs) many people are saved to sit and they feel comfortable in the chair (laughs) no you are saved to go out and win souls how many people have brought new people today It's not the work of the pastor, it's the work of the flock to bring people to Christ. Amen? Yeah, so God takes us through the discipline of darkness. You go through a dark period, one thing happens after the other, this one is not. Everything is not at work or at college or what. Things are not going. God puts you through this thick darkness for a purpose. Amen? For a purpose. I'll give you the treasures of darkness, so that, and I'll call you by your name, so that you may know that I am the God of Israel. Not that you may think, but know, the God of Israel. And, and uh, secondly, Exodus chapter twenty, verse twenty-one. Chapter is twenty, verse is twenty-one. It's simple. Amen. <laughs> I went to this place to see this mountain in, in, in Egypt. This is where there was thick darkness. Thick, thick darkness. Tangible darkness. The Bible says, All oh, Israel ran away. The whole three million Jews ran away. Except one man. One man, they said, Moses approached the thick Darkness where God was. We miss God by complaining too much. Murmuring too much. We blame God when we go in problems, dark situations. Where is God in this? Why is God doing If it is raining, we complain. If it is hot, we complain. We we complain for everything. Something is wrong. But, you know, God uses that thick darkness like Moses. Moses found God in the thick darkness. Me, I found God in my thick darkness. Mother rejected me. Father rejected me. Sleep under a bridge. That's where I found God in my problems. And I love him because, I mean, when those white people beat me, that's where I found God. God. I found God. I people say you must hate white. No, that's where I started loving a white man from that day. But I had to go through thick darkness. Amen. (laughs) I found your amen is boring, eh? (laughs) Mm. Oh, very much. (laughs) Yeah. So so, verse 11 said, no discipline seems pleasant at that time. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and a peace only for those who have been trained by it. Amen. Amen. Number two, the discipline of delay. Oh, South Africa, especially among white people, eh, they want everything on time. (laughs) This watch, (laughs) you love it so much. (laughs) It controls you. Everything. Some people are praying, Oh, God, give me a husband this year. It's my breakthrough. (laughs) God delays. Is there something wrong in my life? No, there's nothing. He's a God of delay. We are so used on the switch of a button, we want it to open automatically. No. God is not an automatic God. He's a God of delay. Mary and Martha, Lazarus is dying. John chapter what? 11. 1 to 6. Jesus, come quickly, please. Lazarus is dying. Lazarus died. Jesus delayed. Four days later, the body has decomposed. It's stinking, it's smelling. That's when Jesus arrives. And who runs to Jesus first? Martha runs to Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. (laughs) Pretty girl complaining. In other words, what she was saying, you came late. So we're in this mess. (laughs) You see, that's what we do with God. You came late when this is late, mess. But who runs second? Mary runs second. She runs. Listen to this, listen. She runs to Jesus. G- she speaks, she talks the same words like Martha. Like my, but the posture is different. Mary goes down on her knees. She said, Lord Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. The Bible says, it says Jesus wept. Your posture makes Jesus cry. But if you stand like a statue and, ching, ching, and uh, Jesus, uh, my brother is dying. Oh, he won't do anything. Your posture also touches the heart of God. You understand what I'm saying? Your posture touches the heart of God. So God says, let's go to the, ah, oh, Jesus, is smelling. Uh-uh. Let me tell you, girls, this name was never told to the disciples. or no, those great disciples, theologians, no. This name was only told to two girls. He tells them, hey, girls, I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> And when the disciples said, uh, why didn't he tell us? <laughs> no, God had something with these two girls. So they go to the cemetery. They said, remove the stone. You put the stone, remove it. There are things you must remove yourself. You understand? There are things you must remove. God to do the rest. And then they remove the stone. And Jesus started praying. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. I always wonder, why didn't he say, hey, you dead man, come forth. If he had said that, all the dead people would have risen (laughs) up. You see that grave, chop, 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 chop. (laughs) But he called him by name. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, that means you in this congregation, you are unique. You are special. God doesn't call you by number. He calls you by your name. He calls you by your name. In those afflictions you have inside, he will call you by your name. He said, God, I'm passing through there. I'm not going upwards. I'm on the same level too long. God, help me out. God will hear you and call you by your name. Amen. He will call you by your name, and when he calls you by name, he is about to do something. Because you know, being on the same level, you become like those old records. You do you remember, Pastor? The old records we put a needle. You remember those? eh? We put a needle and we would dance. La, la 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 We used to dance, and you white people used to hold each other. You know? <laughs> We black people, are oh man, we dance. Going to heaven without blacks, it'd be a boring place. <laughs> because white people, you don't know how to dance, man. <laughs> but we blacks, man, we, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So, you know, when you put that needle, you play the record, you play the record. But when you play it too long, it's got a crack. When is it's a crack, pass me, pass me, pass me, pass me, pass me. It doesn't continue with his song. So if you are on the same level, you repeat the same old things again and again. You don't see that newness of life in your Bible reading, in your prayer life. You don't see that freshness in your life. People ask me, Steve, every time you share your testimony with such passion, Said, uh-uh, it is the time I spend with God in the morning. I always wake up at 2am to read four chapters. 2am. Spend time, quality time with God. When you spend that quality time, you have freshness, new anointing, new power. Are we together? So, Jesus did that miracle. Lazarus came forth. Number three, the discipline of discrimination. <clears throat> hey, God is not a racist. <laughs> no, he's not a racist. But God would use discrimination to train you and me. Psalm 73, let me paraphrase it. 73, verse 13 and 14. God, I'm paraphrasing. It. God, look at me. I'm clean, my hands are clean, I'm pure. And so on, he's he's boasting about his righteousness. But from verse 4, he says, God, look at the sinners with big tummies. (laughs) They have no worries. They create problems. They do this. 18 things up to verse 12. 18 things sinners do. But look at there, they have no worries, they have no suffering, they have no sickness. What? But me, a Christian, I've got hypertension, I've got diabetic, I've got this. But look at sinner, that's what he's trying to compare. But God is saying, hey, man, I use this discrimination to bless this brother. When I'm blessing him and I'm blessing and I'm blessing, I want you to appreciate what I'm doing in his life. The moment you appreciate what I'm doing in his life, the blessings will overflow in him to come to you. Then you have learned your lesson. Are we together? But often when God is blessing him, human nature, why is he blessing him? We complain, we, we even criticize him. We even destroy his character. But when he's blessing him, appreciate what God is doing. So when they overflow, they will come to you. Amen. Am I explaining? Last, last one. Then I, I know some of you say, shut up. <laughs> now I'm about to shut up. <laughs> it is the discipline of discomfort. Yeah, you white people, that's the thing you don't like. You like this uh, rocking chair, you know. That chair which brings you put your legs there, remote control, you know, drink your coffee <laughs> you know that you like comfort very much. You know, a white man doesn't have ice cream in the fridge. I'm sorry, I'm suffering, just ice cream. <laughs> They think you are suffering. You come to Africa, who tell you about suffering? Yeah, so God takes you from, from that uh, comfort. One, one Kings chapter 17, verse one to nine. There was no rain for three days, three years. No rain. Three years, no rain. <laughs> so God provides a raven to come and feed Elijah and a brook to drink. Are we together? Yeah, a brook to drink. And a raven comes with breakfast when it's big to give Elijah. And Elijah mm, eats breakfast. Toothpick. (laughs) Enjoying the food. Scratching the big tummy. Uh, But no lunch. There was no lunch. Breakfast and dinner. Breakfast and dinner. And lunch, he would go to the brook and drink from the brook. But one day, God dries the brook. Stops the raven to bring discomfort. Why? He brought that discomfort so that Elijah may go and visit the widow. As long as the brook was there, he wouldn't have visited the widow. Sometimes we are too comfortable that so much that we can't visit the poor people. Even here in, what's that township? Kayamandi, some of us who are here in this town, we have never visited Kayamandi. You don't know the situation there. You can't sit comfortably when Kayamandi is there. They want want us. Amen? They want us to visit them. I've been to Egypt, went to stay with the garbage people, to preach the gospel among the garbage people in the Philippines went and stayed with the garbage people just to proclaim Jesus. I've been to Australia with the with the Aboriginals. Three weeks in the bush. Never wore my shirt and uh, just only shorts. No shoes. Wore like them. Preached the gospel for three weeks. Won them to Jesus Christ. God wants us, you know, to dry our brook sometimes. You may not need to come to Malawi or to Kaya Mandi. No. But there are guys, uh, men and women working there. Bless them financially. Bless them with your your resources, clothes, whatever. You say, let me bless them. And you'll do as a missionary. Say amen. Amen. I know you hate me today. (laughs) <laughs> but that's fine I, I, I've got sh- strong shock absorbers yeah. uh, <laughs> I can endure any tough situations <laughs> yeah and so bless those people financially, your prayers pray for them for those who are working there that God will bless those people working there it is our duty, amen amen It is our duty. And lastly, the last verse is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32. 32, that's the last verse. I've even closed my Bible and my laptop, my iPad to make you happy. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. God, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, He says... In the desert land, I looked after you and protected you. You are like the apple of my eye. That's how precious you are. You are like the apple of his eye. He loves you so much. He he, he adores you so much. He loves you with unconditional love. Because you are special. But verse 11 says, like an eagle, that builds... It builds an eagle, builds the nest on the highest, highest point. And it builds a nest there. But the eagle also kills other birds to take their feathers to put a cushion on this uh, nest. And they have a cushion for the little ones. And then they got the eaglets. And they're feeding them and he flies. When he lands on the on the nest, he comes gently. And when it is hot, it fans them with the wings like this. Fans them. Oh, oh, yes, thank you, mommy. Thank you, mommy. You know, they are all thankful. <laughs> and then feeds them. They are growing to the bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they come to the size of their mother. And when they come to the size of the mother, this day, the mother doesn't fan them, doesn't land properly, she lands with force. And the little one, mommy, what's wrong today? What's wrong, mommy? And then with the clothes, she starts breaking the nest. She's breaking that nest which she built, taking away that comfort. And all what that mother wants is the little one to fall down. That's what it wants, only that. And then when the little one goes down, the mother watches. He's watching, and he sees the little one hasn't opened the wings. The mother dives quickly, takes it on his pinions back, on the same, flops again, uncomfortable. She falls down. As she falls down, she remembers, I've got wings. (laughs) And she opens those wings, and she, you know... (laughs) <laughs> an eagle doesn't flap like a dove. A dove goes like, <laughs> but an eagle just one, two, three, and oh, uses hovers with the wind, power of the wind, and it goes higher, higher. No work, no work, but just soars on the wing and goes higher. The higher it goes, the better the vision. The higher it goes, the better the vision. And it's going higher, 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 higher. The same with you, my brother, my sister. There are times you feel God has taken my comfort. I'm falling down. That's good. Because the way up is if you begin by going downwards. Amen? (laughs) When he saw Zacchaeus, where did he, where was Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus runs ahead and climbs up. Jesus comes on the spot. He sees Zacchaeus and says, Hey, Zac. Hey, Zac. I came from heaven to meet with you on the ground, yeah, but you are going upwards. <laughs> That's what we do with God. He wants to meet with us on our level ground, but we climb up with pride, arrogance. The way up, You begin by going downwards. Then God wants you to open your wings of faith. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And use the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to go up. To go up. When you go up in that power you saw, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be unstoppable. I say, you will be unstoppable. No one can stop you because you have seen the invisible one. You have seen the glorious Savior. You have seen, like Joshua and Caleb, all the thirteen, thirteen spies, all the twelve spies. Saw the four D. I mean, the four Gs. First, they, fo- they saw the great fortified walls. The second G, they saw the giants. Oh, they are too big. Three, they saw the graves that swallows everything. Four, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. (laughs) When you see the gratified walls, when you see the giants, when you see the graves too much, you see yourself as a grasshopper. But the two boys went before, beyond the four G's. They saw the fifth G, the Great and Almighty God. When you see the Great and Almighty God, you are unstoppable. You are unstoppable. Maybe you've been struggling with these four Gs. He's a God, this God, I want to fly higher. I want to fly higher. Shall we stand? Shall we stand? You want to fly higher. You want to leave that familiar ground. Unfamiliar ground, that's why you see God in a new way, in a fresh way. You say, God, I want to see you in a fresh way. I want to step in on this unfamiliar ground. I've been too familiar, but today I want to go on this unfamiliar ground to see God in a fresh way, to rise up in my spiritual life. If you are that person, you want God to say, hey, you have used the discipline of delay in my life. Or maybe discipline of darkness. Or discrimination or discomfort. You say, God, I want to fly higher today. But the way up is to go down first. And to go down this morning is to come forward. You say, God, I really need to dedicate my life to surrender to you. If you are that person, come forward quickly. You say, God, I want you to touch me. Change my level ground. I want to step in on this unfamiliar ground. I want to see you in a fresh way, in a new way. Anoint my life this morning. Just come forward quickly. Say, God, I've been on this level too long. I want you to change me. I want to find you, Jesus, as my Savior. I want to accept you as my Savior. Maybe in your life you have never accepted Jesus. You say, God, touch my life. I need you. I need you. I don't want you to be on the same level too long. Going over the same thing, the way you pray, the way you read or what. You say you're doing the same thing over and over. Say, God, there's no freshness in my life. There's no enthusiasm. That passion in my life. Just come forward. Say, God, touch me. Just come forward. Maybe you've been hanging on the things of the past, carrying them. I had to deal with these things. That's what God, how God used in my life. I wanted to kill that white missionary, but God used these four D's in my life, and I had to go to that white missionary to ask for forgiveness. That we have been preaching together, but I had hatred in my heart. We forgave each other. We hugged each other. And now he's my brother. I love so much. We love each other. Maybe you're struggling in your life. You say, God, why did you do this in my life? Why did you do this in my life? You've been asking God questions. Maybe you are abused and you are so hard-hearted. You, even, you couldn't even cry. But today you say, God, here's my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to lift up your hands as a surrender to the Lord as we pray together. You say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today with my empty heart. I've been on the familiar position too long. Touch my life today. Cleanse me Lord God Discipline me oh God Train me Oh God remove me From my familiar position Take me to a higher level I ask you to forgive me Because of the things hanging in my life I surrender them to you. My depression, my anger, my unforgiveness, and many other things, I surrender them to you, Lord God. Bring freshness in my life in the name of Jesus. Rekindle my life. Set me ablaze in the name of Jesus that I will be unstoppable because of your name. Thank you, Lord God, for touching me. I invite you to take your residence in my life fully, every department of my life. I surrender everything to you in the name of Jesus. I want Pastor to pray for you now.
1: Father, we want to thank you for the story that we've heard this morning, not of Stephen's life, but of the greatness of a God who can do anything, who can reach into any situation and rescue, who can bring power out of weakness, who can bring 10 languages from a child who can't read and doesn't go to school. God, we marvel at your greatness. We thank you, Father, that in our own lives, as we pray now at the end, God, that you'd move us, that it's not some laws that we have to follow, not some kind of things that we have to do, but God, by your Holy Spirit, you want to come and stir in our hearts and change us and make us more like Jesus. Father, would you come and identify the areas in our lives that we need to surrender to you again? Lord, for each and every brother and sister who's come forward this morning, and for those too afraid who are still standing in their their seats this morning, Father, we want to ask, we consecrate ourselves afresh. We say, set us aside for your purposes, Lord. Set us aside with our flaws, with our faults, with all our stuff, God. We come to you again this morning. Say, we are yours, Lord. We are yours. We want to be used of you for your kingdom's sake. We want to be used of you to reach those who don't know you, God. Come and take us, Lord. Show us how. Teach us how, Father. In your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen.